Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go and make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So if you're a regular listener of One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to tune into another episode. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm equally excited to have you join us as well. And thank you so much for stopping by to check it out and see what we have to offer. And so the way that this usually works is I share a journal entry of mine from about seven years ago, and I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I knew in the thick of the struggle. But today we are in for a treat. You don't have to listen to me blabbing away by myself. You actually get to hear me chat with an amazing guest. Her name is JJ DiGeronimo, and she is quite an accomplished gal. She is a light worker, she's a businesswoman, and she's an author. So she really, her goal is about creating bridges for people so that they can tap into tools and practices and mindsets so that they can show up and be the best version of themselves, overcoming any obstacles that might be holding them back. And so she has a new book um, called 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work. And I've started reading it, and she was so kind and gifted to me, and it was it's amazing so far. I just haven't had a chance to finish it, but she also has um, her first book, and I will let her tell us about anything I've missed, and also that first book that she wrote. Mm, well, thank you, Kim, and thanks for taking yeah. the time. I know for many authors, it's hard to put your book out in the world because you're like, oh, you just want people to read it. But you know, moms and women are just so busy. And I was no different. When I had my first two little ones, I was 33 and 35. I had a very big job in Silicon Valley and um, in an office and my house was in Ohio. Oh. So I was on the road all the time. Wow. And I actually started a woman's group in 2008 when my son was born, about six months after he was born, because I really felt like I had lost or overstepped the cliff notes of how to be a working woman. Mm -hmm. uh, it was so hard, even though I had help, it was so hard to keep all my ducks going in a row. And so I brought women together in 2008 being like, and not just any woman, I tried book clubs, I church, tried church clubs, I tried, you know, mom's night out. And I really was looking for more deeper meaning. I wanted to know, like, how do you keep everything going in the right direction when you're overcommitted, but you still want to be a great mom. And, uh, I got a slew of information that I started writing down for my daughter. And then the universe has its way of kind of swooping in and sort of mm -hmm. pushing things along, probably very similar to how you started this. Yes. And I started writing my first book literally off the side of my desk from 11 to 1am, like one wow. or two days a week. Yeah. And so um, that alone me makes me think, oh my gosh, sleep deprivation. I would have died. How did you survive? <laughs> Well, I had a big job and I was working a lot in the evenings after my kids went to bed. So I'd like finish working at five, be with them until eight after bass and bedtime. I would then like pour myself a cup of ta coffee or wine or tea or whatever I mm -hmm. felt like. And then I would start working and I would push through those presentations or those summary notes or whatever, just so I could start writing some more to my daughter, because I was confident that, you know, things weren't really going to change unless we start talking about how hard it is to keep everything going the right direction to keep, you know, the juggling is tough. It's real. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we try to be so many things to so many people losing yeah. ourselves in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, we don't talk about it enough. I think 
Unfortunately, there's a stigma of um, a mom or a woman saying, hey, guys, I'm overextended. I'm tapped out. I need something because then we're perceived as weak or incapable of and people think like, what? You can't keep it together. Why? How hard can it actually be? It's hard. Yeah, but I have to say, like what you will find in my third book, Seeking, is that a lot of those voices come from within mm -hmm. the people that are hardest on us are ourselves. Yes. 100%. Um, but it's funny because there are times where, so just for instance, last week, um, my husband got a taste of what it was like to, to be mom. So he had to take one daughter to get her elbow x-rayed because we weren't sure if she broke it or sprained it at soccer. And then the other one had an orthodontist appointment that afternoon. So it was like pediatrician to say like x-ray, yay or nay, then orthodontist. And the pediatrician was like, yes, x-ray. So then over to the children's hospital to do the x-ray in the afternoon. And then there was a piano lesson in there. And he was kind of grumpy by the time it was all said and done. And I was like, it's not so easy being the mom, is it? And he was just like, Rrr. so I was like, you got a little dose. And he was like, yeah, I did. And it's not fun. And, you know, thank you for all that you do. And I was like, you're welcome. So, um, so yes, we are the hardest on ourselves, but then sometimes we do have those external uh, voices from others. Like what? It's not that hard until they actually walk just a day in your shoes. And they're like, oh, this is a little harder than I thought. It is a lot to keep together and manage all at one time. Oh, it is. And I don't underplay that at all. It is, it is freaking hard. Yeah. Well, of course you like, don't. I mean, like yeah. to live in Ohio and to work in Silicon Valley, that alone is just so for sure. Definitely. You're not the one to, you know, overplay any of it because you lived it, breathed it for how many years? Oh, a long time. Like at least oh, since my son was born, at least six years. But I think the hardest part for me, very similar to you is when I ended up. So I started, I wrote, I started really speaking with my first book and then my second book was underway and I started getting paid to get speaking. And I was like, you know, I really want to do this, but I was also second guessing my choices because I had these children I love so much. And I would sometimes listen to the babysitter, or whatever, just say, Oh, can I have that cookie? And then how she would respond. I'm like, yeah, that's not what I would say. That's not mm -hmm. what I would say. And so I was having this pullingness at my heart being like, you know, if you're going to have kids, you got to be more involved. You got to be in it. Even though it was a lot, but I meant, I really felt like I wanted to be the main thing. And so yeah. when I left my day job to do more speaking and writing during nap times and more, you know, in the evenings, I love my entire identity because mm -hmm. I was close to 40 and my whole life has been achieving and grinding and doing and delivering. And when I took my day job out of the equation, I didn't know who I was. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, we lose that identity shift when we also have babies. So it's like for so long, we're like, yes, we can't, I can't wait to be a mom. Can't wait to be a mom. And then we have the mom and they're like, wait, who am I outside of the mom? Mm, yeah. So then we have to, you know, try and find like, yes, we're the mom, but then who are we as the woman when we're not wearing our mom hat, which is very rare that we're not. Cause even like when you go out with girlfriends, your mom hat is still on. It's just like maybe to the side and not straight up. Um, and you're thinking like, oh, are you know, are they giving their dad or the babysitter a hard time? Like, is everything going well? And then you want to say something to your girlfriend's like, oh, you know, I wonder what the kids are doing. Or I wonder if they're having fun with the babysitter. And you're like, no, no, it's mom's night out. No kid talk. So we're always, I think, trying to juggle our identity of, yes, we're a mom, but who are we besides being a mom? Or, you know, we have our career that we've worked so hard to achieve and then we become the mom. So they're like, is that still our identity? So I think it just, it's 
constant where we're constantly contemplating who are we and, and what is it? Who, what is our identity? Yeah. So much so, so much so. Oh gosh. I mean, I could talk about so many things that I've incorporated in three books. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is aligning your yeses. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing I want to share with you, but also just finding time to be totally by yourself outside of your house. And if that's a walk in the park or a coffee at a coffee shop, or you get to go, you know, somewhere overnight, it's really important to invest in yourself and find your fuel stations. Because if we don't find our fuel stations, we don't know what really fills us up. And then if we don't have those fuel stations, it's hard to kind of ride over those energies that are just dragging us down at times. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, so when my girls were little, that was a really big struggle for me to take that time for myself. Cause a, it felt super uncomfortable to hang out by myself um, because I'm very much a social person. So I'm like, no, I need people to talk to and interact with. But then the other piece of the puzzle that made it a little bit of a struggle is I really didn't have a lot of help um, because my husband worked all the time. So, and my mom was working like, so I was like, oh, I don't really have a babysitter. And so, um, so I was chatting with a girlfriend and she was like, oh, I leave, you know, the kids with dad, their dad. And I just go walk Target for an hour. And I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. And she's like, what? You don't like walking in Target for an hour? I'm like, no, no, I do not. So I discovered that my thing that I like to do by myself was going to get my nails done. That was how I could just sit in the chair. The nail person wasn't talking to me. I could just, you know, close my eyes to now. And so for me, it was like very much like, I'm going to go get a mani and a pedi. That's my hour, hour and a half alone. But walking through Target, that was not it. And she just couldn't believe that because, I mean, I guess a lot of moms like walking target, but I'm not a big shopper. So, um, but it was hard to adjust to take that time. Yeah. And it's about finding your fuel station, Mm -hmm. not your friend's fuel station, not the neighbor down the street. It's finding your fuel stations and you have to give yourself permission. And I think for a lot of people, we try to be the perfect ex worker, mother, daughter, sister, whatever it is to the point where we overdo it. And I guess I really, really ask you to think not you, but even the listeners is to think like, where do I, can I pull back to 80%? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of us are delivering at a hundred or 120% and we're not having any time to do anything. And so whether you swap your kids with your girlfriend, if you don't have the time or money, you know, you take them Tuesdays and I'll take your kids on Thursday or whatever the weekend on Saturday mornings, I think finding ways to carve out small amounts of time for yourself, doing something you love because you need that energy to carry you through. Oh, 100%. Because then it got to the point where it's like the resentment started breeding. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, my husband was really good at taking that time for himself. You know, he would go down into the basement in the morning and he would work out for an hour before heading into the office. And I was the one getting the kids ready for school. And then I'd be like, ah, oh, and then have to get myself ready. Cause at that, like before leaving my teaching career, then I was working full time. So it was like, I just felt like I never had that time. And then when I left my teaching career and my kids are home with me, he would still get his hour in the basement. Then he would get ready for work and he'd head out. And then I would be with my girls all day alone. So there started to be this feeling of like resentment. But what I realized it was like, it was because I wasn't really asking for the time and not really commit, like making him accountable to say like, okay, yes, Saturday morning at 9am is your time. I was just like, Oh, you know, if it works fine, if it doesn't. So then of course, it wasn't going to work because I wasn't necessarily demanding it and saying like, No, I get this hour. 
Yeah, it's wonderful. I think it's really the right thing to do. And I think no matter whether you have a day job or whether you're home, you need to pick yourself whenever you can. And you need to decide things that don't need 100% attention. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes, literally, I would take the towels out of the dryer and jam them up in a ball and throw them in the cupboard. Because I used to be like, I have to have every towel lined up and this, that. And then one day I was like, no, I don't. No, I don't. I just need a clean towel. I don't need a neat towel. And I think for me at that time, I needed to create new ways of participating in my life that wasn't so dang demanding. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amen to that. And I got to the point where I was willing to just close the playroom door. Yes. 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 And I think it's good for women to hear this because we all go through it. All Mm -hmm. of us, whether you have children or not, we all go through times in our lives where we give too much to people that may or not appreciate it, but really it's more of us just trying to over achieve and prove our value. And I would just say to women that we, we create life. We don't have to do anything else. Like we are amazing as we are. And like, even if you want to be amazing at throwing a party or amazing at the house or amazing at the kids or amazing, whatever you want to do, like make sure it's, you're checking in with yourself and you're doing it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was where I realized that having to have the playroom so perfectly neat and tidy with, you know, the perfect labels on the toy bins and making sure that only the Barbies went in the Barbie bucket and only the Legos went in the Lego bucket. That was more for myself because then I thought like, okay, yes, if all this stuff is organized so perfectly, then I am crushing it as a mom. I'm doing this thing. And I will never forget, I got so irritated because the kids wouldn't keep the buckets organized, even though there was a picture because they couldn't read at the time. So it had a picture label and my husband wasn't even doing it the right way. And I looked at him and I was like, if you do not put these buckets back the way that you found them, I'm going to break your fingers. He was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And I was like, you heard me. And then I realized like, okay, Kim, you need to take a step back sister, because that's a little bit psycho right there. And I realized that it doesn't really matter. The kids don't care if the buckets are completely organized. They put the things where they want and they're going to dump them and find them anyway, whether they're organized or they're unorganized or whatever the case may be. So I just had to get to the point where I was like, yep, closing the door because you know what? They're just going to go in there tomorrow and make the same gosh darn mess. So yep, close the door. And that was so freeing. So freeing. I think it's a good question to ask yourself is where, where can I pull back? Mm-hmm. Where can I pull back in my life where I'm overdoing it and I don't need to do it that precisely? Because that level of meticulousness could be driving you crazy and it could be stealing you away from a few minutes a day of doing what you want, which may be just sitting down and having your favorite tea without an interruption. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was the thing. It was like, um, I was. I had gotten to this cycle where it was like, I had this to-do list and when I got everything checked off on the to-do list, then I could say it was a great day because, you know, I had this Mm -hmm. completed to-do list to use as my indicator of whether it was a good day or a bad day. And most days I wasn't getting everything checked off on that list because it wasn't things that were completely necessary. And then at the end of the day, I'd be like, oh, today was a fail because I didn't check off all the things. And so when in reality, it was like, no, it was actually a great day. We went to the library. We went to story time. We, or we did mommy and me movers and shakers with music. Although my kids would refuse to participate there. So I was like, okay, we're not doing movers and shakers anymore because I leave there sweating and my kids crying and all the other moms and kids are there like, oh, this is 
fun. And I'm like, get up and sing the song, please. Like I'm sweating, humor me. So it was like also realizing, like letting go of taking the kids to do things that I thought would be fun, were fun for them, but they didn't think were fun. And so it was like just this whole um, like readjustment to say like, yes, this is a priority and no, this isn't. Is this for me to tell myself I'm doing a good job and I'm being a good mom? Or is this for the kids because they're enjoying it? Yeah. And, and we have to ask ourselves, like, do we want our daughters running around like this? No. No, that's a strong no. Hard no. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, how do we shift that? Because I feel like and this is whether you're a working mom or not, I feel like we need to think about this example we're setting for our daughters, because mm -hmm. I feel like some of us are such perfectionism a plus players will labor ourselves at overdoers. You can count on me, but I think we're setting up unrealistic expectations for the girls watching us. Oh, 100%. And so I started asking myself, like, is it going to matter in five years? And five years can feel like such a long time away. Um, but that was how I started to shift my perspective of what really mattered. And then sometimes I'd say, is this just going to even matter in five hours? And if the answer is no, I was like, oh, out the window it goes. Because I realized that a lot of what I was doing and focusing on didn't really matter at the end of the day. And so um, it was just making everyone so stressed out and so tense and anxious that um, I was miserable. The kids were fussy. My husband would come home from work from a stressful job and then he was miserable. And so it was like okay, this is not working. Um, and, and knowing that I did not want to set that standard for my girls. So it was like, it was a must to make some changes. I love that. And I think it's good perspective because I had the same thing when I started writing these stories down of women that would tell me stories, I would say, oh my gosh, I got to tell my daughter this. I got to tell my daughter this, like she can't do this. And like, I just think about, you know, just your example, even like I have the same, my, my husband, he always finds time to work out, you know, but I always used to tell myself like, well, when I'm done with this or, and then I would never yeah. do it. Yep. And now I just, before I start doing the laundry on Saturday mornings, like I'm going to get a workout in first. Mm -hmm. And I just had to really shift my mindset. And it was really because I had talked to so many women that basically had told me in so many different ways that if you don't, if you don't decide to pick you first, nobody else will. And that yes. has not, that has been true in every circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it makes it okay to set boundaries with like boundaries on our own selves, because we can be the worst with overstepping boundaries when it comes to our own selves and what we value and appreciate and um, what we really want to focus on. And then boundaries with others. And so I think sometimes the boundaries with others is a hard thing because we don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to look bad in front of others. And so then we start saying yes to all of these things that we really want to say no to. Yes. And I have a tool for that because back when I was interviewing women over a decade ago, they would say, mind your calendar, make sure you align to the right things. And I was, I'm an engineer mind. I'm like, how, how, how? Mm -hmm. And so I came up with a tool called the power of no, the power of no. And you can download it for free. I'll put the link in the show notes, but the power of no is a tool that allows you to look at all the commitments you've already said yes to, mm -hmm. and then document them. Who asked you to do it? Was it you? Was it a spouse, a loved one, a neighbor, a church group? Like it doesn't matter, but just who is asking you? Cause sometimes you have over or repeat offenders. Yes. And then you need to look at, does the commitment align to what's important to me now or what's mm -hmm. important to me next? And then the next column is, does it give me the right energy? Yes or no? And then the fifth column is how much time? Because sometimes things that take five hours 
don't need to take five hours. Like mm-hmm. maybe you can help the local community center in a one hour project and not a five hour project. And so mm-hmm. really being mindful of how many hours you're committing to and, and is it the right thing for you to do and the right amount of time? Because a lot of us, they ask us and we take things as is instead of saying, well, tell me a little bit more about that. And what it, what is the timeline and who else is working on it? And is there budget? And so this tool gives you a whole chart plus it gives you questions to ask yourself before you say yes, because I do find that where you spend your time is where you spend your life. And if you're mm-hmm. spending time on things that don't matter to you, you're probably not really creating a life you're enjoying at this moment. Yes. And so, and then it's, then you're like, oh my God, how do I get out of this? Because usually then it's like, you're in it for the long haul and that five hour thing is going to feel like 50 hours. And so we get into this habit of just automatically saying yes, almost without thinking about what we're saying yes to. So um, the power of no sounds so valuable because it gives you that time to pause before you answer. Oh, it's a beautiful thing because it gives you a, it gives you a framework that you can think through. And especially if it's more than four hours, like give yourself 24 hours to decide. Mm-hmm. Like you don't owe them to say yes, right this minute. I'll say, you know what? I've got a lot of moving pieces. I'm going to get back to you tomorrow by 10 a.m. And some people be like, no, no, no. I need to know right now. Be like, well, if you need to know right now, I'm probably not your, your person because I've got to look at all the other things I've said yes to. And it really pushes people back on their heels, but it gives you the framework to create some space so that you have time to really think about, is this the right yes for me right now? Yes. And I think too, it sets the precedence for people, especially the repeat offenders that you now have a boundary in place and that you're not just going to be the automatic go-to. So it's going to force them to actually start looking for other people to ask and not rely solely on you. Yeah. The only people who don't like boundaries are the ones that keep walking over yours. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well said. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to put that in there. Everyone can download. You can text me or Instagram me and message if you have a question, but it comes with a video, a chapter and a chart. And it really gives people the freedom to start aligning to the right activities because a lot of us say yes, because we want to be liked. We don't want to feel guilty. We want to feel like we're, we're a team player. And let me tell you, like when I was on PTO, I was the worst PTO person because I had a very big job. I went there for one hour meeting that would turn into two mm-hmm. and I was grumpy. That was not a good place for me. But what was a good place is I could set up all the square and money-making like activities to go with the fundraiser because I love technology. I could set it up so quickly. I can set it up with the bank accounts and everything, uh, which was a big deal in 2012 when it was all coming out and I could do it by myself so I could still contribute, but I didn't have to sit in every single planning meeting, which my head would want to pop off my head, pop off my body. So I think knowing who you are and really figuring out how you want to help is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that way, you are not feeling resentful. You're not feeling overwhelmed or weighted down because you're still providing value and you still are contributing. It's just in a way that's aligned with you instead of being pushed in, uh, finagled and managed into something that isn't the right fit. Yes. And that's what you should be teaching your kids is like, so I had to say no to this because, or mm-hmm. I said yes to this and it excites me because, because our kids watch us more than we know. And if we're committing to things we don't like, and then we're miserable, they know whether we're mm-hmm. taking on them, they know. And I think the best thing you can do for your kids is one, have boundaries yeah. two really assess where you're spending your time and three, create the space to invest in yourself. 
Yes. And so um, the beauty in that is that you're modeling for your kids because then they'll start asking you, well, you know, this doesn't really, I don't really want to do this, but how do I say that I don't really want to do it? Then you get to have that same conversation with them that you have with yourself. And so then that's building the skill for when they're an adult, they're already going to know how to have that boundary in place. They're already going to know how to say no tactfully and say, you know, I'm not able to help with that, but I could help with whatever the case may be, if that comes up and that's needed, I, you know, don't hesitate to reach out for X, Y, or Z. So it's, you know, you're actually starting to build the groundwork work earlier. And so that way there's, um, I'll say less of a struggle when they're older because they'll already have the experience with telling people no and saying, Oh, you know, thanks for thinking of me. That's not the greatest fit, but this could be instead. And so it's really such a beautiful thing because they grow up feeling more secure and confident within themselves. Yes. And they don't have to be all things to all people, which I feel like we were taught and we're trying to unwind. Yes, for sure. Um, so your book, so your first book is the GPS. Tell me again. Yeah. The first book is the working woman's GPS. When the plan to have it all leads you astray. The second book is accelerate your impact action-based strategies to pave your professional path. And the third book is seeking 74 key findings to sidestep your self-doubt align with your, or raise your energy and align with your life's work. Yeah. So amazing that you've written three books. I love that the first book is kind of like a love letter to your daughter, like a manual for when she becomes a woman and a mom um, so that she has all the words of wisdom and doesn't really have to, of course, she'll figure out and learn her own lessons, but like has a little bit of a guide to help with the ups and downs. So that way she doesn't feel completely lost. It's like a compass. Yes. Yes. Little did I, I mean, as you know, your kids teach you more than you teach them. And it's like, here, I thought I was doing her a favor, but she was really doing me a favor. Yes, (laughs) for sure. I love it. And so um, your second book sounds equally amazing. The third book is the one that I am reading and it's great. The findings are beautiful. And so um, I'm excited to finish. I've got like three things, three books going right now. So, um, so loving that. So, um, okay. So if someone is listening and they think like, okay, all this is fantastic, but like, I am still so early in the journey. What's one thing I can do? I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't prep you with this question ahead of time. What's one thing that I can do to gain some momentum or move the needle a little farther? Hmm. So the three things that I think are super important when you're trying to great gain momentum to drive towards something next or create something new or really show up in a different way is one to mind your thoughts, really mm-hmm. think about how you talk to yourself. And if you don't know, I would really start to invest some time in mindfulness so that you can get some clarity on how you talk to ourselves. Most of us put ourselves down on a regular basis or tell us we can't, or it's not going to work, or who do you think you are? We all do it. So really mining your thoughts. That's one. Two, Mining your conversations. What are you talking about on a regular basis? Are you a practicing polluter or are you uplifting the people you're communicating with? Because what you talk about often attracts who you hang out with. And oftentimes if we're beating ourselves up all the time, we're often spitting that out into the world. And so mining your thoughts, paying attention, how you interact in the world, and then also pay attention to what you listen to. So what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you thinking about? Because if you want to jump to the next thing or create momentum, you have to have the energy to do it, which often means you have to raise your frequency or your energy. And to do that, you have to really be in the state of positivity, gratitude, and really thinking about how you can manifest things. And to do that, you have to shift your energy. So those are three easy things to think about when you want to shift your energy to create a launching pad for what you want to impact next. 
Love it. I asked for one. You gave us three. Amazing. Woo. So, and they're all amazing. And the, and it's funny that you share those because those are the exact things that I started doing when I was early in on my journey as well. And the, what are you listening to is huge, mm. huge, yes. um, because that paves the way that kind of opened you up to be thought more thoughtful about your thoughts and your mindset. And also it's also opened you up to be more mindful about what you're saying out loud and also to yourself. So those are such valuable things and they really do make a difference. And sometimes it's like, Oh my gosh, this, they're so simple. It can't be that easy, but it really is. And it's not always easy to be mindful of your mindset, but those are really the things that are going to give you the most bang for your buck. Yes. Yes. So um, if anyone listening to this episode has a question, um, is it okay that they reach out? Please do. Please do. I am obviously on LinkedIn and Instagram are the two places you can find me. And I do have a community called Together We Seek. And so I show up live there every week and do live interviews and discussions. So they can also find me at togetherweseek.online. Perfect. So we'll put all the links in the show notes so that you can just go straight to the source. No need to go Googling and down the internet rabbit hole. Um, So thank you so much, JJ, for stopping by and taking the time to chat with us. It's been an amazing time. Oh, thank you, Kim. And thank you for your work in the world. It's so powerful. Yes. Likewise. Likewise. So ladies, if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, it would be greatly appreciated because I take the time to read all the reviews to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of support and guidance and really a one-stop shop for all things motherhood and womanhood. Um, Because let's face it, us ladies, we have to stick together. So thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you next week. Thank you.